Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from Everag Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Phil Plord. If you've not heard this podcast before, well, join the club. It's relatively new to the Everag Insights lineup, and we're very excited to have you along. If you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. Okay, first things first, let's timestamp this episode. It's a little bit before 2 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, March 1st. Block cheddar cheese is at $1.90 per pound. That's down about six cents from last week. Barrel cheddar cheese, one fifty-five, down a nickel on the week. Spot butter started the month of March on a down note, $2.38 per pound, down seven cents today, but essentially unchanged from a week ago. Milk powder, non-fat dry milk at the CME, $1.18, down four cents on the week. And then turning to the grain markets, corn, $6.41 per bushel on the nearby contract. That's down 34 cents from a week ago. Soybeans, $15.04 per bushel, down 35 cents as well. All right, let's turn to our panel of experts. Today, we are fortunate to have Ryan Yonkman, one of the leaders of the Everag producer risk management business with us, Katie Burgess, who spends time working with commercial accounts as well as with producers, and Mike North, a longtime grain guy and president of Everag's producer division. Welcome, guys. Good to be joining you, Phil. Nice to be here. As is the case every week, we'll start with What's the Buzz, talking about what's making the most noise in the areas we cover. Ryan, let's start with you today. In producer circles, what's the buzz? Yeah, so look, we're spending a lot of time trying to figure out what to do with this back half of the year. At this point, you know, January through June, pretty well taken care of from a hedge perspective, uh, from a markets perspective. You know, call it boat missed if you're still sitting here wide open. So we've got a back half curve, very interesting. Uh, when you look at feed, you look at milk, this cattle price, super interesting. It's an equation we've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to solve through the lens of managing the risk back. Kind of hard to imagine that uh, $20 milk is a big decision, but it's kind of a big decision, isn't it? You, you hit the nail on the head. We, we've kind of come to terms here that you almost got to look at milk in a funnel here and on its own, uh, $20 milk, we're, we're kind of figuring out is, is interesting enough to where we need to be paying attention to it. Um, but it's when you map it against what feed is doing, all of our other costs, interest rates, that equation becomes sloppy quick to where most are seeing red ink. And that's kind of the conundrum that's got us buzzing this week. Katie, on the commercial side of the street, what's the talk on your neighborhood? On the commercial side, we're seeing a lot of milk come off of dairy farms right now, and that's making its way into lots of cheese, butter, and non-fat dry milk. As we talk to customers, lots of milk, there's already talk about warehouses getting full. And so with that, we got a new cold storage report last week. We were a little surprised to see cheese stocks down year over year, but butter came in as expected with stocks growth off to a strong start. So we're not going to run out, it doesn't seem like, but maybe not as abundant as some people were hoping for for the first report of the year? That's what it seems like. And we'll keep an eye on what those numbers look like in the months ahead. So Mike North, we talked about corn being down more than 30 cents per bushel uh, over the past week. It's been a a big week in that front. Uh, What's the buzz in your circles? Yeah. So, and even as much as 40 to 50 cents in this morning session, Phil, and uh, that coming off of the heels of a 
what we'll call a neutral set of data points that came out of the Egg Outlook Forum, but has been met with a bearish tone, especially from the fund community who have been aggressive sellers over the week. And if we could ever get the data to flow out of the CFTC towards the commitment of traders report, we could really pinpoint these numbers. But we expect as much as 60 to 70,000 contracts uh, being sold by the funds over the course of the last four sessions in corn, making that decisive move lower fully realized. I mean, somebody's certainly selling it, right? I mean, as the old saying goes, there have been more sellers than buyers, whether it's the funds or other people getting out of their positions, definitely a downward trend. That's a fact. And honestly, as we look at the first day of March and we talk about what's ahead of us with a coming uh, supply and demand report and the big one for the month of March, that being the prospective plannings report, uh, there's actually some, some, some cause to even start to believe that there's room for the market to bounce a little. And you're seeing some of that already even coming out in today's action. So definitely a watch point for us, as, especially as we match that up against Ryan's comments about what's going on with milk prices. Because as we you know, look at milk in a vacuum uh, against a, a feed market that's uh, seeing some pressure, definitely we have to start talking about margins and what the opportunities look like. But more importantly, as we look longer term and bigger picture, there's some posturing around feed that's certainly uh, a, a big topic of discussion right now for dairymen. It's such a big topic of discussion. It's actually going to be our center of the plate conversation today. You know, I say things, you know, high level things like, hey, you know, we ain't going to have much uh, $17 milk in a world where there's $8 corn, or we're not going to have much $20 milk in a world where there's $4 corn. And, you know, we've sat with the corn market trading, let's say between $6 and $7 for some period of time now. There's some chance that we're maybe looking at a downshift lower if we actually go grow a good crop. So let's talk a little bit about the impact of these lower grain prices on farm margins, risk management decisions, and, and commercial decisions. Well, $5 corn, Ryan, is that, you know, not that we're there, but if, if we get under $6, how does that change things for the people that, that you're talking to day to day? Yeah, it matters, but I, th- I think the thing to, that I would want to hammer home in this conversation right now, because there's so much, oh, grains are breaking, how much more milk are the dairies going to go make? Yeah, the reality of this grain move right now is a much bigger conversation for new crop. It's a much bigger conversation for Q4 of this year uh, and going forward. So much of this year's costs are already set. You know, the corn silage was put up last year in priced. A lot of products are already purchased through June of this year. Um, so, so for us, although, yes, on some spot loads, uh, this break is, is good. This is very much a, a much bigger deal, I think, for the end of this year and into next potentially providing margin relief, right? If the milk part of the equation holds true. But the right up front here, I, I think it's it's key to notice like a lot of these costs are set. Um, this isn't big right now relief. Uh, it's a bigger picture, right? You talk about the center plate, we're talking back half Q4. This matters there in that equation of margin, in my opinion. And to piggyback on that, when we talk new crop corn, uh, we ultimately have a 20 to 25 cent break on new crop prices relative to that 35, 40 cent break on old crop spot prices right now. And when you look at the path we're on, these prices really could come under more pressure as we go forward into summer. 
right now we've got to prove that we can raise a crop in this country. And we've watched as moisture has been sweeping through the continental uh, U.S. And we're watching as the drought maps are seeing more and more relief. We're gaining more confidence in the fact that there's going to be soil moisture and that we're going to be able to produce a, a crop. And you know, as 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 we tie that to an already sizable South American soybean crop and moisture in their ground and the potential for a, a strong uh, corn production season there in their second season, we start to you know look at ample amounts of production paired against what, just like we've talked about on the dairy side, has plenty of headwinds from a demand perspective. Exports of corn have been terrible. We've, we've, we've been tracking well behind the five-year average there. We're watching as, you know, there's, there's pressure coming to the ethanol space on their margin. You're, you're watching as all the feeders of livestock and poultry and dairymen are feeling pressure in their margins. So we're not looking for robust growth on the feed side, especially measured against a smaller animal population. So when, so when we look at the path forward for corn, there's really some ideas of some, some pretty big relief. And so, you know, to Ryan's point, you know, we've got a lot of costs mapped in. But when we talk about fourth quarter $20 milk and we're looking at a roadmap for corn that if we can prove that we're going to raise a crop could bring about some much smaller prices, now we really are starting to move into some better conversations about margins and profitability. I think as we're thinking about this from a commercial perspective, over the past year, I've had a lot of conversations with folks thinking about, is $20 milk the new normal? And so I think as everyone is thinking about what the price outlook looks like for later this year and on into 2024, balancing the thought of if corn is no longer in the 6 to $7 range, we can downshift our whole expectation across where dairy prices are. We all know, we've been in the industry a long time, that those two do not necessarily go hand in hand. But I think it's a new thing for us to think about now as we're thinking about the next 12 to 18 months. And there's sort of a psychology around it too, right? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, like I said before, you know, cheap corn, cheap milk, expensive corn, expensive milk. I mean, I, you know, but I wouldn't get trapped into that thinking today, right? If you were a commercial, Katie, like, oh yeah, you know, corn's going to be 575 and all of a sudden everything's going to fall apart. It doesn't mean it happens right away or fast. No, not at all. And to Ryan's point that, yeah, there might be some light at the end of the tunnel for dairy producers looking at lower feed costs down the line. But right now, they're staring in the face, high feed that they've already bought, lower milk prices expected over the next few months. So they're going to have some hurdles to jump over before you know greener pastures await. To play off the right here right now a little bit more, you know, something on this milk side, it's been very interesting. We've all seen the big break and it's real, but something we've been talking internally we have some real fear of negative basis adjustments to hit these dairies over the next 60 days. I mean, we, we are all aware of the, the two to 10 under milk that's traded every week since the turn of the year. That's going to come from somewhere. And, and we have fearful that some of these cooperatives and processors that will come out of these dairies. And so we started looking at some of these milk checks, again, against the high feed costs. Uh, this Q1 into April, May, we think is a real possibility. It's a lot bloodier than maybe what the futures quotes show us here in regards to basis. Mike, let's turn back to the grain markets for a second. You know, specifically, it's March 1st. You know, the planters are getting ready to roll. Planting season starting. You know, what are the things that markets will be keying on in the next 30 to 60 days that could, in fact, be decisive in terms of price path 
for the crop that's going in the ground? Yeah, so there's a couple things. The month of March typically spends a lot of time focusing on planted acres. What is actually going to get planted where and to what crop? And if you look back over history on corn, if you see corn acres in one year dip below 90 million, generally in that following year, we're going to take them back to 92 to 94 Coming out of that Egg Outlook form, they said 91. Internally, we believe there's room for that to be a little bit higher. We got a lot of fall field work done last year because of how dry it was and how easy it was to work ground and do all the stuff you needed to do. So that also lends to more corn acres. We believe that we're going to see corn acres a little bit higher than what they've uh, pointed at in that Ag Outlook Forum number. So as we move through March, there'll be a lot of discussion about that. But I think the other conversation parallels what we're talking about on milk. Can I make money? And as we've moved lower over the course of the last four to five sessions, we've started to strip away some of that potential that lays out there for corn farmers. And as we work side by side with different producers around the Midwest, what we've seen a lot of is five and a half to six dollar cost of production. Well, if I'm running a 570 December board today and I take into account roughly a 25 cent basis under the board as I go to sell my grain in my local market, that puts me back around that 545, 550 zone, which means we're kind of rubbing break even right now. So will there be some conflict on what we'll call swing acres, those acres that could go either way? Will we be at a place that entices more corn production or will soybeans work a little bit harder to buy acres away because we have other uses over on the soybean side that are a bit new to the space with a growing crush around the renewable diesel conversation. And so when we look at this acreage battle, this is where we start to get down to the, you know, the bloody knuckles for, uh, portion of the battle. It's hand-to-hand combat these last 30 days. And we're going to watch the markets really try to dissect that as we walk this thing out. And keep in mind, too, weather goes right alongside that conversation. So if we start to see forecasts in the 30-day outlook that are really wet, we're going to start to say, oh, boy, corn could lose some acres. Conversely, if it's really dry, we could start to say corn's going to gain some acres, etc. It's the annual spring planting carnival ride about ready to begin. But Mike, I'm going to ask you one last question. So if you just do the math, right, 91 million acres, uh, yield at trend line, uh, 15 billion plus bushels of production, ending stocks come in around 1.8 billion bushels, uh, according to all that math. Is the price of corn above $5 or below $5 at this time next year if we have a $1.8 billion bushel carryout? We'll be below $5. And if you go back to the stocks to use ratio, which is just one more you know, addition to your formula, you know, divide that back into total usage, which has been really floundering of late, you start to pencil about a 13% stocks to use number. And when we've seen that historically, that's three and a half to four and a half dollar corn, not five to six dollar corn. And so a lot's going to ride on production for sure. But we also are watching closely what's going on with demand. And that has been very lackluster. So when you couple those two together, that combined stocks to use ratio says we're below five bucks by the time we get here next year. A lot of ifs and all that, of course. You know, the weather, a lot of things have to go right or wrong but very intriguing conversation. 
All right, our last segment every week is if I were a blank, I would be considering this or that. Let's go with Katie first. If I were an end user, what kind of strategies in the marketplace would you be considering today? If I were an end user, as we talked about, there's some real stress potentially to dairy farms that's going to be experienced over the next few months. And so because of that, I'd definitely be looking at some call options or flat prices to protect against higher prices, potentially in the back half of this year. Because it does seem like there is risk out there that if farmers are stressed, we'll have less milk and potentially higher prices. All right, Ryan, what is your opinion? If you are a dairy producer, what what kind of things are you looking at these days? Right in front of your face, ride the coverage you've got. Uh, In regards to the back half, it's time to start building a base. But as Katie said, on the very flip side of this, we want to be options heavy there too. She just talked about rationale for why we could go higher. Uh, We covered also why things can go lower here, but not with anything that's real concrete and looks real sexy. So we want to be options focused. Let's build our base. Uh, Some position is better than no position out there right now. All right, Mike North, put on your feeder hat. Uh, If you were feeding animals and looking at the current grain landscape, what would you be thinking about strategy wise? Well, I think you called it out right. We stacked a mountain of ifs together to talk about what price could be next year. There's a lot of ifs that need to unfold in this market, but let's not overlook what just happened. We just watched the market break into what we consider good support. The market uh, seasonally can see a little bit of a bounce from here. So we're not just going to go straight to the rat hole on prices. There's room for some volatility to play out in this thing. I'd be looking at trying to capitalize on this recent move, but I'd acknowledge that the bigger picture gives me some hope about feed. And so I'd take a little bit more passive approach. Anything later in the year with regard to feed coverage, I'd want to be a little bit more option heavy in terms of calls rather than buying aggressively uh, against the current values. So as a feeder, that's how I'm coming at this thing. I, I, I want to defend what just happened and acknowledge the gift that just got put in front of me but leave room for some hope as there could be some a bit deferred in calendar 23. All right, panelists. Thank you very much. That's it for today's show. Thank you to Katie, Ryan, and Mike for being here. Thanks as always to Paige Driscoll, our master media person for making us all sound good. And thanks to you, our listeners. Once again, if you like the show, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to learn more about how we help people manage risk, contact us at insights at ever.com dot ag.